0: Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. When you hear the word bereavement, you probably think about death. And trust me, you would not be the only one, I'd imagine. Today, Tracy Clark and I discuss bereavement and loss and how being aware and doing some work around this subject can be super helpful for our mental health. And today's guest, we have Tracy Clark, who's the founder and director of Positive Reflections, which is specialising in coaching for relationship breakdowns as well as a grief recovery specialist. Have I said that correctly, Tracy? You have, you
1: have indeed.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And I wanted to invite you onto today's uh, show because. I think it's quite important to have conversations and dialogue around um, bereavement. And normally when I talk about bereavement in my training, I talk about bereavement and people automatically think of death and and how they feel about that death and the sadness, et cetera, that goes along with that. But there is a different type of grief. There is a different type of bereavement. And I've only just learned this myself recently, that bereavement Mm. can be a loss of any relationship and I didn't know that so yeah. I want to kind of touch, yeah. touch base on that so can you kind of tell us a little bit about what that means for you
1: okay um so for me I learned a few years ago myself the understanding of grief being any kind of relationship or pattern of behavior that actually could affect you and now you now have to kind of like manage that and how it looks for you mm-hmm. and it's I don't more so call it grief and bereavement but of course grief recovery okay. so it's recovering from that loss and that experience and how it's impacted on you and um so yes yeah, so for, with that I, I look at the recovery of grief and mm. um, as being a normal process that we all go through in life um say such as a a job you lose a job you're gonna mourn that you're gonna grieve it even if it's a job you even hated there's a process that you're gonna go through because it's a normal pattern of behavior that you had gone through and then all of a sudden it's gone how do you manage that most people will come to you with uh, the idea that actually get over it get on with it it doesn't affect you but it does because that's your relationship with that situation yeah so um Yeah, so it's just a matter of when I work with clients, it's about how they are experiencing their loss with a specific subject, because it's unique to that individual. And that's what we have to recognise, that
0: every situation is unique to that person. Thank you. And so your career, I mean, I've never heard of it, to be honest. I've never heard of a grief recovery specialist ever until until I met you. How did you come to? Be, how did you become to? How did you become a grief recovery specialist? What was your journey towards that kind of that qualification? Okay. Um. To be fair, it came to me at the right
1: time of my life because um, I was working for a local authority of which was subject to the one of the ma- most major grief impacts or impacts of grief across the nation for a long time. We're grief. Um. We're in the Grenfell Tower fire so I was working for that local authority and within that there was um many task forces that was put in place at that time to support the the the, um, the community that was affected by that fire as you can imagine it was major trauma major impact on not only the residents but the staff so within that when I joined I went into a secondment as um a um, a Grenfell support worker trying to support those affected by the trauma because I did a lot of trauma intervention work at that time and within that they thought that we needed to have specialist training and grief recovery um, um, institute came to hand and we did the training within that and at first I just thought what is this nonsense (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it, it was good because Actually, when we was doing the training, the training allows you to focus on stuff that's impacted you as well because you have to go through the process within the training that you would be delivering to somebody yourself. And, and as I said, I thought it was nonsense. But at the same time, I had just lost my stepfather. The night of the Grenfell fire, and I'm seeing all the, air, the fire brigades zooming down the 406, I, I had just gone from, come from my um, stepfather's nine nights and you know for anyone that doesn't know what a nine night is it's the, the night night of a morning of a loved one and putting their soul to rest so just come from that and then i had just had a major breakup with um, a partner um that was an, another loss within that wow. space of time and so when i was doing this journey through my training and <laughs> broke down crying with the release and completion of all of those impacts especially the impact of losing a a person that was really important to me and then the the relationship breakdown and even working within the Grenfell services it was very intense Mm. it just happened to come at the right time for me to obtain these skills um Uh, which was useful for me and a year later that's when I decided to take a voluntary redundancy and go out there There, there's about 600 of us grief recovery specialists across the UK and some you know in Europe it started off in 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 the in the US it's not a a new method by any means it's 40 years old it's been going on and strong really strong
0: in the US and growing in the UK Mm. and fundamentally What's the underpinning skill for your job? What's the underpinning output or outcome for people that would perhaps work with you?
1: Oh, basically for me, it, the underpinning outcome is to allow a person to literally do what it says on the tin, recover mm. and complete from any grief that, or loss of experience. So that's the aim from when a client comes in with me is to look at what's been impacting them. Sometimes they don't even recognise that the... The history of their learned behavior of grief and how to manage it and where it stems from we even do that within sessions we look at the historical impact of how grief where, where your understanding of how to manage it stems from even if it's coming like um not even acknowledging it putting it away getting on with things because we're taught some really toxic behaviors mm. historically that's how we're socialised. Like, some of the the myths when I'm working with clients, some of the six myths, and that's part of the program of looking at um where someone would just say, Don't feel bad about it. Um they don't want you to they wouldn't want you to be sad, be strong. Yes. And it's like these things are not helpful tools, and keep yourself busy. Uh, it's yeah, they're not helpful behaviors, but we we try to support people to unlearn those
0: behaviors. Do you think um, that's that- kind of oh well you know keep yourself busy don't they wouldn't want you to do this do you think it comes from a position of that person who was saying those words of being uncomfortable perhaps with that showing of grief right yeah yeah I, I talk about being you know as a West Indian woman when people die in our uh, in my culture there is wailing there is crying there is proper heartfelt breaking down of emotion open raw everything mm. people- you know, lifting people up under their arms. It's, it's intense, and there's a lot of heartfelt emotion, which people who are not used to that culture might find really quite disturbing watching. But that's yeah. part of the of, of our grief, pre- grief process, and understanding what that looks like and and appreciating that that's how we grieve, right? when you're low because you've lost somebody that's appropriate behavior it's appropriate i appreciate Mm. that you appreciate that but for some people that might not be comfortable so therefore that may be where that information comes from yeah exactly that i
1: mean even sometimes when you say let them grieve alone let them have their space it's just like it's your your feeling of not being comfortable talking about because we're not equipped we've not been taught to do that we have been taught how to acquire things in society how you know we must you know we must go out there we must get married we must have a nice house we must have this that and the other but if you lose any elements of what you've been taught to be to achieve in life mm. you're not taught how to manage that wow. because you're meant to just have it. Yeah. Um, awesome. and it's how to support people to understand how to to, to all right then this happens this has happened how now are we now going to move forward to not allow it to engulf or even suffocate the rest of your journey through life? Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's my aim of trying to shift people to allow them to complete from that rather than to avoid the process. Um, because funny enough, we pick up what we call in the grief recovery process of STURBS. And a STURB is a short term energy relief and behaviours people don't even recognize what they are until they come and have this, this discussions and I didn't know until I did the training I have loads of stirbs <laughs> I had I should say had loads of stirbs <laughs> um it's just like food some people use food as their go-to excessive exercise sex alcohol anger even fantasy movies I mean I worked with a client many years ago and um she had had been impacted by many different levels of grief and loss, because even a loss of trust with other individuals due to abuse is an impactful um, thing that 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 person doesn't now have the ability to move forward from that trauma, or that PTSD. So when we've heard she just delved into fantasy where was it World of Warcraft? I believe yes. it was at the time. Yeah. And this was a woman that had become so involved in it that her children now becoming neglected from that process because she was so involved in that and forming relationships online that were, were were not real because for her, this helped her escape the real life and not deal with what was going on for her. And it's only through working with her. And at the time, I wasn't even working with disturbs in mind because I didn't have that concept of thinking, but it was trying to get her back to reality and manage and kind of like, Go through the process of supporting her to deal with the
0: past and then move forward. Wow! If I have, have done that, now yeah, what does, this, can you tell people what STUB stands for? Oh, short-term energy releasing behaviours okay, um, so mechanisms. Like what I would classify as kind of Okay.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean they work, but for a short time. because yes. we all, you know,
0: yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. going out with girls, your,
1: your guys for a drink it works you you drown that sorrow for that period of time but then you wake up and in some people that's how alcohol alcoholism can become an, an an additional factor for someone who doesn't manage their loss or anything that's imp- impacted them in that way um a lot of divorced couples and men a lot a lot of men statistically bold, bottles yeah. women too women are easier at hide are better at hiding it than men yes.
0: <laughs> but you know yeah it's, so it's interesting you talk about kind of like those self-soothing behaviors when we when we look at loss or when we look at anything that kind of disturbs us or makes us feel bad it's about yeah. wanting to feel better rather than feeling those negative emotions and feelings right because yeah. we've been taught not to like them not to appreciate them to be scared of them to try and get rid of them as quickly as we can and therefore yeah. we take part in what, what I would classify as self-soothing behavior you know yeah that makes you feel like exactly what you said. That makes you feel really good in the short term. When I've eaten the entire bar of Dairy Milk, you know, it made me feel good while I was crying watching TV. But yeah. now I feel really bad now because that was my fourth bar. Do you know what I mean? Or I <laughs> actually it's been going on for like a week, and I know that it doesn't make me feel good. And but it's easier to do that than it is to actually sit down and do the work required, perhaps to to push forward with whatever it is that's going on for a person.
1: And definitely, and I think some, pe- some people. F- because you're not taught to kind of like know how to manage it like for me for me for instance I could like talk about my pe- previous experiences of life when I first left um broke up from my children's father um it was young I was in a very domestic abusive relationship at the time um even though it was a domestic abusive relationship I still grieved that loss of not having the, the what was perceived the the family dynamics because no one wants to be a single mum no one wants to be raising children on their own um so for me i then tried to comfort myself by just going into another uh, and an additional toxic relationship and i did that for a few years not recognizing that i was using that because at the time it was quite euf- a new relationship is always euphoric and it's great it's going to be amazing but then I wasn't dealing with the issue at hand and the abuse that I'd have been affected by before going into something else. And that's that took me years to realise that. And before I even got to this journey of the grief recovery, which I'm glad I did, mm-hmm. because then I had greater insight into how to actually utilise this, um, new, new, this new tool going
0: forward to help people shift. Yeah, so, you mentioned there about kind of that domestic abuse and you know my, my parents story is not mine to tell but as a young person coming out of a, a domestic abuse household as a young child recognizing mm-hmm. and this kind of leads me into my next question recognizing that the life that I had at that time was not necessarily the right relationship family dynamic to be in And my mother at the time being very kind of, and I've seriously, she's just amazing. My mum, very stoic about the honesty about what was happening and why we had to leave and why we had to live in this house with lots of other women and lots of other children and why we were getting a new house in our new area Mm -hmm. and why I couldn't talk to my family about where we lived, you know, all of these sorts of things. And it leads me into the question in terms of, honesty around grief and how we arm our children perhaps with those skills to deal with loss and yeah. to deal with bereavement of a relationship of a breakdown because sometimes I hear, oh well, you know, you've got to kind of do it for the children. We've got to keep quiet and they can't really know or I'm really worried. There's quite it's they, they tend to be very real fear. Yeah. I mean I mean I do that too where I do
1: support families that have children are impacted within within these systems especially when there's there's violence um, that's been impacted and then they have to move and then they have to lose their friends and then they're not and even sometimes have to lose a pet because if the pet can't go with them everything for them around them is lost so then it's about talking to, to, to the parents and giving them the skills to can keep their children contained and to learn about the emotions. But as I said prior to now, I would never have understood because even with myself, I, I moved from where I used to I grew up in Tottenham and, and I love my Tottenham roots. But at the same time there was a part of me that needed to it's not like I've moved to a much greater area, but I needed to <laughs> move away from what was I felt for me was toxicity. I was living in a cesspool of staying in the same place. And um, I felt constantly low. But even though I was constantly low, I I mastered it by having everyone always around my house. We're always having fun. We're always drinking. We're having jokes. uh, But at the same time, it, it was just a very fake facade of just keeping me contained at the time. So... When I moved, my oldest daughter experienced losses because uh, she had just gone, started secondary school when she came. Initially, she felt quite bullied because this was a girl that she had she was always top of her class my daughter she was always top of her class she got awarded at Alexandria palace for outstanding wow. um, sat achievements and she was very proud of that she's still a miss knowing all oh, she's that that is she's that girl <laughs> that is very proud of you Earned her. it. She <laughs> earned her. knowing she's good um but for, and she she entered into secondary school the secondary school she was at in north london in top set but when she came over and we had to do the transfer they because they hadn't had her her SATs transferred over they said oh well we're not sure where what level she's at so they put her at the bottom group I saw my child miserable miserable for weeks um and um it, I mean I'm gonna feel a bit, a bit teary because I remember how how she was like they were nagging that digging at her when she, she would say i don't i'm not supposed to be in this class i've done this work i'm able to do this work and she, she felt really hard about trying to prove herself until she came in and she'd done some tests because i kept you know bugging the school she's not meant to be in this class she's not meant to be bottom set she's not meant to be the bottom set and when she had done the test that required her to and she shot right back up to the top yeah. set and she's like mom they're moving they're moving and I remember I, it disheartened me because I felt like was it the right thing to do to move her and I didn't know how to keep her happy I didn't know how to contain her at the time I didn't have those skills so I'm happy to be able to support people to to acquire those skills if playing through with their own children now my children are adults they're yeah they I still I'm still having to contain and um, they don't like when I call them children because
0: they're adults, but so they're
1: my children.
0: It's like my mum's always the same, you know, she is I, I'm 42 years old. Yeah. Still my mother's child and she still has the power. You're my child. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, mum, I know, but I've got my own kids. It's so embarrassing. You know, so it's that. So I appreciate that. They might not like it, but I get it, I understand. <laughs> So yeah, it's quite interesting. I know, they don't. They really like, We're not children. <laughs> it's quite interesting hearing your take on that whole kind of. I suppose as a mother, you know, how am I doing the right thing? Is it the right thing to have done? Should Should I have? You know, that retrospection about the decisions that you make because of the circumstances that you're in. I suppose which feeds then back into that whole loss grief what did she lose what is she grieving you know so I appreciate how difficult that must have been and, and also in terms of the honesty around children keeping them contained and I really appreciate kind of that take on it about containment and can you tell us a little bit more about what that containment yeah. aspect looks like Not from a very top level point of view I mean, it's basically because like
1: children also will develop coping mechanisms mm-hmm. in order to kind of like deal with that. Because when children are growing, we that but there's this other myth that, oh, children are resilient. They can get on with things. They will grow. They will grow and will be affected by the situation. Because by the time we become adults, even though we were impacted by something from childhood, we don't necessarily always associate the root cause of why we behave the way we behave. Mm -hmm. so some and you know it's just like inherited trauma and all of that those are coming encompasses and we look at our systems and most people especially coming from a black community don't even think about their systems and their roots and their inherited trauma and we historically have got a lot of uh, you know transcended down over the generations and so Um, we have to kind of look at the impact on the emotional impact and try to allow your children to have a voice and understand what their emotions are and not feed into those toxic behaviors that they can then transcend into like going into video games going and that's the world we live in I know that Mm -hmm. video games and social media and all those things become a crutch where therefore in some cases can be extremely dangerous especially if a child is not able to deal with their emotions effectively and seek solace elsewhere like becoming um exposed to abuse online and perpetrators and and what have you and becoming cyber bullied and they're not even able to kind of like share those conversations with you because they don't know how to do so Mm -hmm. um within school being able to have the strength to um have to stand up to somebody, to have a conversation because they don't know how to, they feel loss of empowerment, they feel the loss of trust because they don't have those systems in place if, the, if in the home it's not been taught and they've been taught to lie, shield and hide, especially in domestic abusive environments. My children are taught to lie because everything's fine at home in the outside world, but in the inside home, this is the dirty secret we live with. Mm-hmm. So it's about um, giving our children skills and coping mechanisms to be honest and to manage their emotions and voice them and how to voice them and not get, you know, get the, adopt the crutches that could, you know, harm be harmful. When young people are just eating at home and not really doing constructive things, then they become obese and then their, their confidence gets knocked and then they go through this vicious cycle and can, sometimes can become agoraphobic, antisocial, all those factors, so yeah hard and it's so interesting I try to um,
0: yeah Yeah, it's so like interesting hearing about the impact of not having these things the impact of not appreciating actually that that there has to be work that needs to be done from an understanding of parenting I suppose you know in the first kind of crux of it is if as parents we understand what Mm. these things look like how can I then not repeat those things again you know how can i not repeat them and and also from like i said from a cultural point of view as well dealing with loss dealing with bereavement is is inherently different in terms of our culture for death but when you were talking a minute ago about kind of the domestic abuse and and people basically lying about how things are at home that's universal right that's universal that bit in terms of that
1: Yeah, it, that is universal, hundred um, percent. Because uh, no matter what, because ba- you know, um, DV has no, discre- no no, 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 no um, bias. It, it will go anywhere. No matter if you're you, you can be affected by domestic abuse, and within that, there's always hiding and lying um as i said i worked with one of the richest boroughs in the world in the country and we worked with domestic abuse in some very affluent families and they still had like the minimizing the shielding that it doesn't it's not as bad and it doesn't really exist to that point
0: yeah yeah that's yeah that's
1: fascinating and so so yeah so um so that's that was part of the um concerns in regards to how we try to make sure that you know we don't put that in our children's lives no matter where you're from
0: you're listening to it is what it is the podcast we hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter if you'd like to hear more please subscribe but for now let's get back to that conversation and actually the next the next question i suppose is we talked about What sort of circumstances, what sorts of situations can mean that a person can learn how to cope with these things? But what can we do as a society to learn about those negative emotions? And the reason I'm going to I'm going to bring this up and it's interesting, actually, on a really minute level. So my son loves football. He plays football and he is a passionate football player. He also follows Football and I—I I mean it with the greatest of respect, but I blame my husband, right? Because <laughs> he loves football, and our son has picked up his love of football from his dad. And unfortunately, my husband's uh, team is not a very—I'm oh, going to—I'm going to probably get really told off and slated for this, like because it's obviously going out to people. But they—they they struggle. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's a nice way to say it. This team has struggled, all right. It's—it's it's been quite difficult for them, which means that they don't win. Okay, a, you know. And whenever the team lose, okay. one is beside himself, absolutely beside himself. And he's gutted that they're losing. He's gutted that they're not top of their game. And the emotion that he displays in the house is quite difficult. But it's not something I shut down because I mm. think it's important that he goes through that process. And actually what he's feeling is appropriate to him and his world right then. Does that make, do you know what, do you know what I mean? And- yeah. The reason reason I'm talking about it now is because I remember he used to play for a team and the team were fine. And it was the coaches. The coaches were fine when he was winning and he was showing all of these really awesome whooping and hollering, you know, high fiving pre-COVID, obviously, and, you know, really happy and just showing all of these beautiful, positive emotions. But the minute that he was losing or the minute that the team was losing and Sebastian, my boy, would show signs of of loss, you know, he's he's frustrated, he's stamped feet, and he would, mm. like, grab his hands and, oh, he, he could see that he was annoyed. They'd shut those emotions down rapid. Yeah. And I, as his mum... He would. Yeah, I was really, really upset because he wasn't given the space to explore those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, I mean, giving
1: him the space to explore those feelings, even a conversation about Why he felt like that, and even though it might seem really trivial to him at that time, it would be good. to It isn't trivial; Mm -hmm. it's 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 something serious. And I know, in especially in this country, we take football very seriously. I mean, not me per se; I'm not into football, but I know it's part of the culture. I mean, as you you can see in the news, and they did some sort of changes, and I'm like, what is this all about? I don't know, but it seems very serious. For those people that were experiencing what they felt was loss of a tradition in their game, their arena, something they're passionate about and love, they wanted to be heard. Mm. And it's exactly the same thing. You need to be heard and felt heard, listened to about your experience and how you are feeling because it's unique to you. Yes. So that's how why it's good to to let him express it. It's, It's his unique experience and feeling on that and not to shut it away and let it filter itself out
0: you've just made a very very interesting point about it's how they feel it's how people feel because I remember having a conversation with my husband a couple of days ago when this super league thing kind of blew up and all some of the uh, football teams have kind of pulled out and government were getting involved and people were talking about it and it's terrible. And it was over in America. James Corden was talking about it on his talk show about, you know, the working class bringing together football teams, which are now these multi billion pound conglomerate organizations and they're pissed because this used to belong to the working class etc and the sense of loss of something yeah. they felt belonged to them and and blowing up you know on, on um on, on the internet and on the tv and I remember saying to my husband about it that I was really upset because as a black woman going through the situation that we are finding ourselves in at the moment I was gobsmacked that yeah this loss was felt so deeply by so many and yet the situation we find ourselves in isn't seen as from everybody's point of view and then you said something a minute ago where you said about it's unique to, to him it's unique to every individual and therefore it's, it's going to be big because it affects a lot of a lot of people does that make sense it's kind of it's really in, it's really yeah. interesting how people will react to something that they perceive as, as, as loss from themselves. Um, exactly I mean in equally to
1: what you touched on in regards to like we know that there has been so much um, emotive stuff going on for black communities across the world especially mm. in regards to George Floyd and what have you and to us or anyone of color it impacts us us, because it's a unique situation to us but then there are parts of people in the world that are just so dismissive of the matter in the point to what we find disrespectful because it's not unique to them and they don't understand our grief and our loss and our pain in the situation Mm. so when I watch it I watch with anger and frustration but at the same time I recognize they don't understand the pain they don't understand the loss and what, how it impacts us. So therefore, you can't really fault their, their their viewpoint and their opinion and how they come back at us.
0: It is, yes, it's an appreciation of that frame of reference that I talk about on probably every podcast I've ever recorded is about that that mm. position of self and actually taking the time to appreciate that not everybody is going to see your position because they have no idea about your lived experience. And mm. I'm not that that's right, no. But that, that is that is what it is. That's what we have effectively, you know, that's the situation we find ourselves in. And then mm. we cannot ask everybody to to appreciate and understand. But a lot of what you do, I would imagine in terms of the relationship breakdowns and the grief recovery that you do is about that mm. whole delving into their point of view, their position and helping them to realise yes you know, what it is that they need to do about their lived experience and their unique position.
1: A hundred percent,
0: because it's unique to them and it's about how
1: their lived experiences have impacted on them thus far and what they want to be different going forward um, mm-hmm. and what it looks like. So it's having that exploration, exploratory conversation.
0: Yeah, I had a conversation with with somebody the other day, Tracy. If excuse me, listeners, because there was a little bit of a lag on this line, so if Tracy and I mm-hmm. are talking over each other, it's because <laughs> there is a little bit of a, la- a lag. So I, I appreciate and apologise for that. Um, I was speaking to a friend of mine and a, a friend of a friend, a colleague, a, a, you know, somebody I've known for for a while, associate, a fellow business owner, who recently finished in a very, very, very traumatic relationship and is shocked mm-hmm. about. How she first of all managed to get into that relationship, you know, the archetypal thinking, I was stronger than that. I don't understand why somebody like me would have ever fallen for somebody like him. And it, it got really nasty, Got you know, gone to court and all sorts of things. And it turns out that she, this is not the first time it's happened. He's done this before, kind of like a serial a con artist trying to get money out of her and all sorts of stuff. And she said to me the other day that he was really suave and really kind of attentive in the beginning. And she loved that part when you were talking earlier on about, you know, that new euphoric relationship. And she said, even though knowing, even though knowing everything that she knows about him and how difficult it became for her, she still misses that part of him that made her feel the way it did and that's the bit that's struggling that's the bit that's difficult for her yeah yeah so that's something she wants to complete on
1: because she wants to move forward but then there's a part of it that's still latching on to finding that again and yeah and there's nothing wrong with that but i think what she'll end up doing is seeing that same pattern of behavior present itself again and then falling back into it because that's something that she hasn't let go of yet Okay. Fascinating. I mean, it's. I mean, it's nothing to say that you shouldn't want to have that from somebody, but you need to have some genuine connections with people from the offset, rather than something that's forced. And it's easy to say, "How do you know this? How do you know something's false?" Because it, it will. You will have to go through a different process to get to that point of recognizing that that person is coming with something different. And you let go of your past experiences and not fall into similar patterns of behaviors because they're short-term fixes.
0: Wow, wow! It it seems to me, Tracy, that there is a lot of, and again, my children are going through at secondary school at the moment. My boys at secondary school, my daughter's going back in September, and Mm -hmm. they're talking about PSHE—you know, physical, emotional. Uh, teachings and stuff and I'm kind of curious and you know to be honest with you and my children will attest to this I'm so curious about this side of their education (laughs) probably way more than I should be in terms of their academia um, around the 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 questions and the conversations because what I find difficult is that my children will get an, an opportunity to talk about these things in our home because this is my gift and this is what it is I do and this is my interest but other children might not get that opportunity in their homes to explore these feelings and emotions mm. and, you know, these different ways of thinking. And do you think that this sort of thing should be discussed in schools? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's not easy to
1: get into schools. Trust me, I've tried. Um, <laughs> where um, to Because I'm, I'm able to, well, within the training, you are taught to support teachers, clergymen, youth workers to... Anybody that is got a, a, a formed relationship with a young person to and help contain them within the grief, um, helping children deal with grief element of um, support that I offer, whereas if more schools did actually take it on board and we all know that it's about funding and what they actually what tick box they want to actually to to, to show us but fundamentally these things should be the only tick box that should be fundamental like at the forefront okay. from my perspective where children are taught to learn their emotions and how to deal with them because these are things that happen throughout life um there, there are other far other. There are other things that are less important, but are actually put on the, the curriculum as the most important thing. But then that's a, another thing for. Yes, that's another show
0: because we're... Yeah, that's another debate. I think, I, honestly, I think I'm going to have a whole series of of um shows based upon our education system. I'm going to pack them all up on a zip file. I don't even know if zip files are even the thing anymore, or or, or a we transfer. There are other known providers available. Um, And I'm going to drop it on the, uh, you know, drop it to the government because there is a lot of people talking about the need for reform and the need to arm our children now with skills that are going to benefit them in the greater world, way more than what is currently pushed forward on the agenda, right? And there's a lot of that talking, but nothing seems to change. And I I don't know why. I don't know whether or not it's because looking at the education system is going to take far too much effort and time or Mm whether or not it's because nobody's actually reviewed it on a really minute level, which goes into this yeah. detail, right? But we know our children are coming out of schools not armed with the skills, perhaps, that would benefit them in today's society. No, you're 100% right. Um,
1: they they haven't got the, the life skills acquired at all, at all. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it ever has been the case that they thought about giving young people life skills, because if you think historically... Um, all you know for even before before way before time they used to just teach you cooking and cleaning and sewing and whatnot and that was all a person that's as a woman but then the boys got taught carpentry and um, metalworks and whatnot just like work trade type skills mm. they gave you the basic maths and english and as time's gone on now they're giving you acquired skills to be able to just put you into the workforce rather than to survive within it mm. and so that's part of the problem it's about the economic growth of the system they're in rather than the growth within yourself Wow, and that's part of the problem I find but I mean it's trying to argue with a school that has an agenda that all academies now are just work off of funding to say we need to kind of like think about this more for our society because there's no emotional attachment to the process (laughs) they've just
0: got to tick a box yeah, and it's, oh mate, it's hard. I mean, it's, I had to homeschool my children as did everybody that had kids. Um, mm. Although other, other than our, you know, heroic key workers that picked up the mantle in the in early pandemic. And I remember being so frustrated with the homework and a lot of it, Tracy, is probably because I was embarrassingly not that good at school. So half of the stuff that my children were taught or were asked to do during homeschool I literally could not help them I mean I literally couldn't I mean I'm not you know I'm not making that up guys I sucked badly I mean especially at maths I'm not going to tell the story again because I have told it a fair few times <laughs> about me trying to help my son with his out with his um his his fractions and just totally mucking it up for him blessing him. Yeah. and not yeah. understanding why you know, and, and, and trying to question, so I'm getting frustrated with the fact that these two kids of mine are going through a global pandemic, and yet we are pushing through with this stuff that I feel is really kind of not going to benefit them at the moment, um, and then we look at the mental health of our of our children, And our young people, as they go back to school, back into this system, back into the system with the same old, you know, subject matters. And I just stamp my feet with frustration, you know, totally. I never expected to just get on with it, basically. Get on with it now. We're back to normal.
1: Let's get those stats up so we can look good again. And that's how the school system
0: works yeah and actually um, what in terms of coming back you know what living through a pandemic and coming back from a pandemic you, what you do in terms of grief and how hmm. how poignant that is for our society as we exit hmm. the pandemic how do you feel people and i know it's a really broad question but how do you think people will need to cope or, or best way to cope I mean, i'm talking about going into work you know people are going into work again mm. and they've lost people to the pandemic they've lost their jobs i mean we have got a lot of loss over this past year right
1: oh yeah uh, a, a truckload of loss but um i mean for me my thing is i mean i'm out there i'm i've got my website and i'm um, trying to get as much um, exposure as possible to say that the support is there for mm. individuals to take to make use of but on a grand scale I know there's lots of lots of lots of different forums now people can go to to try and get some support for their losses because less basic un- unemployment is hitting the roof yeah
0: um
1: you know prior to to um the pandemic on, on a yearly basis, average, there was about 8, mi- eight million people in itself would have lost a person through death. And can you imagine how it's tripled now through the mm. pandemic? Mm. Um, divorce and breakup. Divorces would have contributed to that, about 45%, 50% of that, and again, tripled. And we're not even talking about the families that have separated that are not classified as married within yeah. that arena as part of those, those stats. This is... It this is magnified during the pandemic how people are coping with it is in some cases it's very evident that we're not coping with it at all as a society we're not but we're expected to get along I mean you know depression and such uh, uh, on the rise a hundred percent I have myself Felt very low through this pandemic mm. and still had to then find the way and I suppose it's because I've got the skills and I get supervision which is good because yeah. <laughs> I'm working with people dealing with people I get supervision. So I've got that outlet where not everybody has that privilege um, and it's finding this the 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 support that's going to help benefit them to move forward I'm trying to get into every avenue out there possible. As I said, there's more than one of me out there trying to do the same. And in some areas, some schools are more receptive to to, um, to the helping children with grief, but not so much in London. London, more uh, very more business focused, unfortunately, mm. in <laughs> regards to the school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's about, I suppose, that for them, it's, you know, budgets and what they see as being yeah. tickable. You know, this stuff is potentially not quantifiable, is it, in terms of how, how much data can we get out of blah, 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 which is yeah. Yeah, where the soft skills come from. This soft stuff, when I say soft, You know, people probably think I mean like, you know, that whole stigmatized, weak, soft. Nah, 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 mm. No, I mean, as in the human aspect of life that mm. need to be looked at based upon a very human pandemic, which has taken place. It's not numbers, it's not jobs, it's not, you know, finance, mm. it's, not, it's actual people, relationships, humans, feelings, emotions, those soft skills, which aren't being looked at. And it's so, again, it's so very frustrating, because this is all off of the back of that education system that was founded to look after the children, to get them into a work you know, working Mm. class (laughs) society where it was hard work and you had to do the work and the children were doing physical work and, you know, went to school and kept them and while their parents were off breaking their backs working as well, it's just not fit for purpose anymore and our lives have changed inexplicably inexplicably, and we're struggling as a result of it. So while while you're doing the work you're doing, I'm doing the work I'm doing, which is seen as non-essential, we then look at the education mm. system and see half of that academia stuff as being non-essential so it's difficult I don't know what to do about it but I think people like you championing and chipping away at those organisations and institutes that will listen to you is mm. going to be the way forward right? I mean it, to me that is, that is the answer I mean but it's getting your foot
1: through the doors in some cases to have that conversation and for them to see as a valid yes Resource support in place because if, this is not like a short piece of work. You're going to have to have somebody they're continuously supporting individuals, which is you know part of what I do anyway. Because I've incorporated it within my business where I'm a am a life coach, support coach, and I do a lot of systemic intervention. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, I do a lot of looking at the historical traumas, and I work based off the tra- the effects of trauma that has impacted us and held us back mm. in life, and and I. And I use my own life, my life experience, because I had a I started young through through my own traumatic experiences of life. Come from a, a domestic abusive family myself as a child, and it filtered into my own adult life, well, young adult life, and that's where my understanding of loss of trust, and that was my journey from from there. So it's under having that empathetic understanding of where people
0: are coming from, which I within my company as well which then people take into school and into work and it's interesting isn't it because that's your whole self and i often teach you know you can't expect people to go through life whatever it is that's going on for them and then to put this brave face on to go into an institution which expects you to put a grin on your face and get on with it right it has an impact on every aspect of your life I just want to bring up something um I remember watching a really, really difficult film years ago, it a Netflix, Netflix series actually called 13 Reasons Why. Okay, yes. And I watched it and I was broken by it. I mean, it like, really, really affected me um, in terms of the, the subject matter being suicide and... I think that it was a brave programme. I think it was necessary. I think it was really poignant and ahead of its time, even a couple Mm. of years ago. But one thing that stands out for me about that is that in the schools in America, and I'm not sure, so if we have any American listeners, please do let me know, um, is having a counsellor at school potential way forward and when I say counsellor I don't necessarily mean a grief recovery counsellor but a a counsellor of sorts or a a plethora of counsellors to be able to look after the well-being of our of our youth well to be
1: fair most schools are expected to have that even in the UK um, where there is some sort of systemic practitioner within a school not necessarily based directly in the school but go within the school to actually support any child that has been highlighted as having some concerns or needs or even want someone to talk to they don't necessarily have to have been like named a named child that, oh this child looks like they're, they're, they're struggling or could have some sort of um, emotional issues that need to be um, addressed that they can go to to talk to at any time wow. at schools I've worked in because I still work within local authority outside of my business, where that is meant to be the case. The schools I've worked in, that has been the case.
0: Okay, so it has been, and so, again, yeah, it, I mean, they, they... say that again. Is it one of those situations that it should be, <laughs> or it, it kind of is? Because I'm, I know I've heard of pastoral care, so I've heard of. Yeah. You know that pastoral kind of piece, and it might be you. You know, I'm here if you ever need to speak to me. Is it? Is it kind of like that? And actually, are they? Are they what qualify Again, if anybody's listening that works in pastoral care, what does that look like? Is there any qualification, or is it an empathetic person who has good listening skills that's able to do that? And what's the pathway? Approach within that school environment, and I'm forever talking about pathways in organizations that are responsible for other people so that they have a very clear understanding of where to get support going forward. I'm really curious if any of our listeners are listening yeah. and you have the answer to that, please let me know. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it would be really, really poignant and interesting to find out what level of um, support our schools. And as as an adult educator, I'm forever championing that within organisations, right? Mm. You know, making sure that you are championing a pastoral well-being service within your organisation to look after your staff to make sure that they know that they are not just workhorses when they come into your organisation, that organisations look after them and care about their, you know, their actual Definitely. workers, yeah, because we, work, we don't work with computers. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting yeah. hearing f- from, from from your point of view on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the ideal that we were, we're working towards. And and
0: to be fair, they're
1: saying that there's streamloads of funding and sort of support that's been put in place now since the pandemic. So it's just a matter of seeing how useful they are and if they do make an impact on supporting people going forward and not just for this time. And it, after this time, it's now then a forgotten subject and that yeah. we don't, we stop implementing it. Because that can happen. I, I mean, I've, as I said, I've worked in social service for so, almost 20 like twenty years now. And it's like there's always trends of what they perceive to be important to focus on and fund. And then once those trends now no longer seem viable, then it becomes a forgotten subject, like it still doesn't affect people. Wow. So let's hope that it doesn't that that's not the case.
0: Yeah, well, fingers crossed, absolutely fingers crossed because you hit a a really important note there is that while it's trendy and on trend, we'll, you know, fund it and push all of this awareness. But the minute... That, that then pivots or goes off to some people are still needing these services and actually talking yes. about these services Tracy as we come up to the end of today's show could you please tell everybody where it is that they could find you um, if they're interested in in finding out a little bit more about what you do or perhaps taking up on any of your services that you offer
1: okay and um, so yeah I have my website is um, um positive reflections um, uh, dot, oh, yeah dot co co, dot co, oh, sorry, dot co? yep dot co. uk yes um and i also have an instagram page saying in it that's tracy positive reflections and i'm on in um twitter yeah, it's pause, yeah at pos reflections and on linkedin excellent because i've got you on You'll linkedin find me. perfect yes yeah, so yeah that's at the moment i haven't got a base because of the pandemic but I'm due to have a new location and office space that people can actually also do
0: walk-in visit oh fantastic as well that's yeah that's pretty good so if you're interested in anything to do with um, grief recovery or you want to find out a little bit more about it please do get in touch with Tracy she's a wealth of knowledge and all of the soft skills (laughs) right there so thank you so much (laughs) for joining today's show Trace it's been a pleasure having you and thank you very much no problem thank you for having me
1: you've been listening to the it is what it is podcast presented by Danielle Bridge and produced by Defresh Productions